The topic this morning is your other name, which is speedy. No, I'm just kidding. Do you remember the good old days in which people could actually call Lefty and Speedy? If we could just go back to that, wouldn't everything be all right? I saw a bumper sticker a little while back. Honk if you love Moses. (laughs) So the reading that you just heard from A Course in Miracles states that God has no name with a small n, but it speaks over and over in that lesson and in the lesson that preceded it of God's name with a capital N. And there's a very interesting exercise in the lesson that precedes the one that Gail read from, in which it suggests that you Join with your brother or your sister and very slowly and silently you repeat the name of God. Now in those two lessons, no word is given you for the name of God. It just refers to the name of God. And so, of course, the reader is free to choose whatever word he or she wishes. And there are certain words that for many people, the mere utterance of this name will bring a a rest to the mind, a deepening of consciousness. Just the word God will do that for many people. The term Our Father has been said for 2,000 years, Our Father. And just to say that, there's a certain quieting of the spirit, a deepening of the heart. There are the loves, there are the words love and peace, Christ, Jesus. And a thousand others. And the reason that we would say these words in prayer. And of course in miracles suggests. That the only prayer that you might need. Although it, it suggests many other kinds of prayers. But that the only prayer you might need. Would be simply to say. Your word for God. Your word that deepens your spirit. Your word that takes you into your heart. And it also suggests that possibly no word at all is necessary. That for you it may be that just opening your heart to the presence of God would be sufficient. I would like for us to say a prayer together in which we will use a couple of names for God. Ones that I think might resonate with most of the people here. We've talked about praying simply. Praying so that it opens the heart. Praying so that it's not just an intellectual exercise. Praying so that our emphasis is not on some sort of trick that we're doing with our mind. It's not a technique that we hope will bring about some magical result. But praying in a manner in which we begin to sense the unity we have with all living things. That we begin to sense just a little that everyone is our brother and our sister. And so I invite you to say these words with me, not out loud, but in your heart. And so if you'll close your eyes, I will say the words and let us pray this together. Mm 
I want to know my Father. I want to know God. I want to know my Father. I want to know God. I want to know my Father's love for me. I want to know the love of God. I want to know my Father's love for me. I want to know the love of God. And as you pray those words, open your heart to the experience. This is not a pleading, but an opening. I want to know my Father. I want to know my Father's love for me. I want to know God. Okay, you see how simple it is. You see the, the goal that begin to, begins to come into our mind, begins to surround us. It's just a settling all around us of the peace of God. The mere intention begins the process. We don't need to strive for some dramatic experience. Just a little letting go, a loosening that takes place within us. That's all we need. You cannot practice that intention too often. You can strive too often. And you will stop meditating. You will stop praying if you do that. If there's a sense of effort and work in your prayer, if you're trying to learn it or do it right, there is an excellent chance that you will fall off the spiritual path. Because there is absolutely no sacrifice in our walk toward God. This is what the ego simply cannot believe. It is too simple for the ego to believe. That we are asked only to be happy, to relax. That this carries us light years ahead. Nothing more is required. Than the practicing of the intention. To be comfortable. And so I will give you another name. Your other name is comfort. And I would like to talk about. Comfort today. And perhaps your ego name is speedy. So either you are speedy or you are comfort. For example, this dispensable church, and we call it that because the only reason for such a thing as this is to point in, in a certain direction. Once you've seen that direction, you're on your own and you may choose to come here you may choose not but there will be no question that you will never again fall off the spiritual path there will be no question in your heart that you're going to get there and that there is here you will know the possibility of an entirely peaceful day although you might not yet have experienced it you will now be, be having Minutes and even hours of peace. And that peace will speak to you. And if you choose, you can dispense with any other words, any other books. Because you will know your father holds you by the hand. And that will be more real to you than any experience in this world. And so the purpose of this very church is comfort. 
And please let any words that you've ever heard here or that you might hear on a tape from here bring you comfort. That's the only purpose. If the words, every word spoken here is not for every person. If you take any individual that comes to this church, there are certain things that are said here that are not for that individual. There are certain things that I say that are not for me. We take the ones that are comfortable, that bring us peace, that relax us. Every statement in A Course in Miracles is not for any given reader. You take the ones that bring you comfort, that are truly helpful, that you can understand. And you let the others go. Perhaps you will use them later. Perhaps you've already gone beyond them. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't need to be figured out. So I want to tell you a number of things that I have not said in this church. These are things that people have asked me if I were saying, or I found that they had listened to certain words and they had incorporated these rules. So we've spoken of this quite often here, that the ego listens to words of truth and immediately asks itself, how am I supposed to behave? The book says so-and-so. He just said so-and-so. Uh, there's this teaching. How am I supposed to behave as a consequence? And the answer is, of course, you need do nothing. There is no behavior called upon. So I did not say that you are not supposed to own a Mercedes. <laughs> that, that was never said here. I, I found this last week that someone was feeling very guilty about owning a Mercedes. And I, that just happens to be the car that pops into my mind when I start talking about cars. I don't know. I find Mercedes humorous for some reason. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I did not say that you're not supposed to watch TV. Or you're not supposed to watch the evening news. I did not say that you are not supposed to be active. Sometimes I find that people think they're supposed to be uh, some sort of uh, piece of Melba toast that is <laughs> that's sunk to the bottom of a warm bowl of milk, you know. <laughs> And that this is somehow supposed to, they're supposed to live their life in this manner, you see. If being extremely active makes you peaceful, be extremely active. Don't be afraid to be inactive if it's peaceful for you to be that way. And above all, don't be afraid to be one way one minute and another way another minute. And this is what the ego can't stand. I am a person with a lot of energy. I have a great deal of energy. And now we have to act that way even when we don't feel like acting like a person with a great deal of energy. I'm a night person. I, conversations are just wonderful. And uh, uh, people spend lots of time defining themselves. I love that. I'm a night person. This, this conjures up all kinds of images to me, <laughs> which I won't go into here. <laughs> It was never said here that you're not supposed to diet. <laughs> or plan. Or use affirmations. It's been, it's been suggested that you might use affirmations to bring the peace of God rather than to bring this particular possession into your life or this particular sum of money or to heal this particular part of the body. It's been suggested that an affirmation can be used in such a broader way that why not use it in that way? I never said do not buy anything on credit. <laughs> I suggested that large purchases might not make you happy and you might look at that and just see. That's the case. We assume so many things make us happy because every TV program and every magazine and every newspaper and so forth suggests 
that this makes us happy. Large purchases do not make most people happy. It make, makes them anxious. Just something to look at. Of course, a large purchase is necessary every once in a while. I never said do not compliment someone. That was another rule someone had made. You're not supposed to compliment another person. We did point out that there are two ways of complimenting. There's a way in which it makes people feel. It's, it's, there's a way that's ego enhancing. And you can see schools deal with children in these two ways. There are schools that work to enhance the ego of the child. They, they try to make the child feel more autonomous, more independent, more unique, more separate, more set apart. It's innocent. They believe that they're doing the right thing. This is, of course, the entire problem, is that we think that there is a virtue in being set apart from others. This is why we, we don't, we so often misunderstand that to tell another person, even a good friend, of some worldly success does not make the other person happy. Because on an ego level, this seems to be the whole ballgame. That we're each trying to be more unique, more set apart than the other person. And so when we tell someone else about our worldly success, having received a great deal of money or having met some important person, notice that the other person cannot receive this because we are saying, you and I are not brothers and sisters. This happened to me. It did not happen to you. Is what they, they feel. But there's no rule to make of this. This doesn't mean that we never share this kind of thing. There could be a gentle way of sharing it. I never said, do not say, how are you doing? <laughs> this is another rule that someone quoted. I actually had a conversation with a person who thought that this is, if you went to the dispensable church, you weren't supposed to say, how are you doing? I don't even know where that came from. <laughs> I said, uh, don't say, hi, guy. No. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. Uh, although I do remember that during the same time in which we could say, uh, we could name people Lefty and Speedy, you could say, how's tricks? <laughs> so there are no rules. And nothing I say here has anything to do with uh, behavior, at least I hope it doesn't, although I will try to make as many suggestions as I can. And the suggestions are just like little pieces of clothing that you might try on and see if they keep you warm, make you comfortable. And if they don't, disregard the suggestion. It has no weight. It's something that I might have found helpful or Gail may, may have found helpful or we might have found helpful together. Or it may be something that I know that someone else has found helpful and I just bring it up. So let's talk about a few ways that we make each other and we make ourselves uncomfortable. Now, you know, we have. Oh, I, <laughs> I was in California this last week and uh, our tapes are beginning to get around. And uh, this has happened to me more than once now when I've gone outside of Santa Fe that someone has asked me to please talk about follow your pee-pee or, uh, <laughs> or, or please tell the audience about Pip Awa. Uh, I guess this is as good a fad as anything. <laughs> uh, but we're going to add some to this, this growing lexicon here that we're, we're starting. Um, this one is not quite as good, but I think the idea behind it is helpful. Not TNT, PNP. Now, what that means is not tightness and terror, but, and then you've got your choice. This is a great one because you can fill in the last part. You have a choice of one or two things. 
P and P can either be putter in peace <laughs> or I can be prattle in peace. And let's let's talk about those two things because we're going to talk about comfort and how we make ourselves uncomfortable and how we can make ourselves more comfortable. So I want to take what I think are some of the most common ways that we do this. If you'll notice, as you go through the day, you will find yourself in an activity that you do not think you should be engaged in. But you keep on doing it anyway. Now what happens is that, for example, it's very difficult. It is not impossible. Remember, it is not impossible, but it is very difficult, for example, for people to form a great love relationship on the ashes of another relationship. So if the two people who have come together perceive themselves as having hurt another person in order to bring about this union and that there is this wake of pain, the ego has a foothold in the new relationship that is almost impossible to overcome because it is it is acknowledged as a virtue by the people. And so strongly do we believe, and it is of course correct, that we should not cause another person pain. But that's not exactly what the ego is saying here. The ego is saying, you have definitely damaged this other person. You should not be together. And you have made a mistake and it will never be eradicated. And that of course is not true. A very beautiful relationship could form even with this history. But it is almost impossible because the ego now has a foothold that we believe in. Now that's a dramatic example of a very common phenomenon. And that is that as we go through the day, we start doing something that we don't think we should be doing. Uh, let's see, some of the common things would be that are today, this is this changes, you know, every few years as to what we're not supposed to be doing. But right now, for most people on a spiritual path, it would be chocolates, um, <laughs> cigarettes, uh, watching TV, and sexual fantasies. <laughs> Maybe alcohol. It's, that's, you can't really tell about that. So let's say we, we, we're doing one of these things. We're having a cigarette or we're watching TV. Now, by telling yourself that you shouldn't be doing this, you have given the ego a foothold and you will be uncomfortable. TNT. You will either be tight, tense, or you'll be in terror. You'll be scared. You'll be anxious. And this is the way you can notice that you have given the ego a foothold. You have cracked the door and invited the ego to put its little pink foot in and it has done so. So if you are watching TV, you are not beyond watching TV and it is incorrect for you to say that you shouldn't be watching TV. You should be watching it. If you shouldn't be watching it, you wouldn't be watching it. If you had gone beyond it, you would simply not be watching. It would not be an issue. It wouldn't be a struggle. It wouldn't even be a thought. Maybe you think that you uh, are cleaning up too much. Too much cleaning up. Here I go. I'm compulsive, you see. I told you, didn't I, about the uh, about my psychiatrist friend who has a patient adolescent who breaks into houses and cleans them up. Yes. That's all he does. He just breaks in, cleans them up, throws them back up. I don't know if he feels guilty about that or not. I do know that that it would be only the guilt that would uh, hurt him. Certainly, wouldn't be the fact that he's. Uh, turn into a little magical fairy that goes around cleaning pe people's houses up. So clean up in peace. 
I got a stove a while back, and I was puttering with the stove. It was uh, it had to be converted to propane, and the the burners had to be uh, the pilots had to be adjusted, and so forth. And I could very easily have gotten someone out there who could have done it in about two minutes. Uh, but uh, I wanted to putter with this. And about halfway through, I realized I was not puttering in peace. <laughs> there, there were en enormous projects going untouched as I continued to tinker with the stove. And after praying about this, I saw that all I needed to do was to sit quietly and decide, did I want to continue puttering with the stove? You see, our only function is to be happy, is to be peaceful. This is the lesson that's so difficult to understand. We actually think there is one thing that's more important to do than another. And it may very well be that we should do the important thing, what we think is the important thing, because it will be happier and more peaceful. Because we've already defined it as more important. Or because it involves another person and they think it's very important and they, they're not going to be happy if we don't do this particular thing. But the fact is, one activity is not more important than another activity. Although the ego can think of a thousand contradictions to that argument. The fact is that only the peace of God is important. And so if you want to putter around in your garden, or putter around with the stove, or if you want to play too long with the child, then do it in peace. Putter in peace. And please prattle in peace. Now, we think that we shouldn't... That there are several things that people do in conversations that would be very tempting to think that this is wrong. There is no conversation within the peace of God. But we're not at the point yet in which we can practice that in a way that would, that would keep... that would not make other people uncomfortable there are people who can be quiet and everyone around them feels at ease but I met a guru recently who hadn't reached this point and in the middle of a conversation he would suddenly start meditating uh, even if there were two or three people talking just suddenly he would get in he'd crumple up his body and start meditating and no one knew what to do about this and this is perfectly all right for him to do that, but obviously the unease that everyone felt about this meant that he had not reached the point where this was true peace, because true peace is a, is a lovely light that just extends out and, and circles everyone around. So I don't really know of anyone, although I've heard of some people, who can be silent and everyone just feels fine about this and relaxed about it. And it's not an issue. It doesn't seem odd. So of course we must talk. But what we learn to do is we learn to recognize from whence cometh the conversation. Does it come from my ego or does it come from my heart? And this is a, a very good exercise along with noticing your puttering and see if you cannot find some way to floss your teeth or clip your toenails or make the soup or what feed the dog or whatever it is in peace. To see if you cannot do one of these many things that we think we shouldn't be doing with our mouth. For example, gossiping. We've talked about that. Now, to stop gossiping or to refuse to gossip can make other people extremely uncomfortable, can make them feel attacked. And it isn't necessary to stop gossiping, but you can shift your gossip from resentment and anger and bitterness to your heart. And so now it's just a nice game. That you're playing with this other person. And you gossip in peace. You gossip from your heart. And another thing that people do a lot. Is they deplore. You just listen to conversations. Isn't it awful that. Isn't it a shame that. Isn't, isn't this just terrible. Listen to conversations. And I bet. What. 50% of all conversations have to do with this, oh, isn't this awful? Or do you know what so-and-so did? Or do you know what this government agency did? Or do you know what just happened in the world? Isn't this awful? 
Now, on a spiritual path, we might think, well, I shouldn't participate in that. But it will make people feel uneasy. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And so we prattle in peace. Now, if you find that in the gossip or in the uh, defining of our personality, because we talked about that just recently, about how we all are constantly defining our personality, and this, of course, crops up in conversations, such as people go on at lengths about what food they don't like, and everybody can't wait to tell about what food they don't like, uh, or what it is, what activity they can't do, or how their particular mind works. They can't remember numbers, and I can't remember numbers either. It's like this is in a conversation, and it's just interesting to listen to this. But this is what people do. See. I can't spell. We define ourselves. All right. Because we've talked about that here, maybe someone thinks, well, I'm not supposed to do that. But if you stop doing all the things you're not supposed to be doing, you're going to be this piece of Melba toast <laughs> that's sinking to the bottom of the warm milk. And that's not going to do you any good because it, you haven't gotten to that point yet. And so here is a good little exercise. And that is... When, you, when the conversation is distressing you, maybe a friend of yours is being, is being attacked in this conversation. Maybe a particular issue, maybe they don't have it right. They've got the wrong side. They're on the wrong side of the issue. Maybe some people just sat down next to you and they declared that they were young Democrats. And you don't like young Democrats. Or whatever it may be. And you find that there's this tension, this tightness, this TNT, we'll call it. Go to stillness. So what you do is you sense that there is, in fact, a still place within you. And it's as if you sort of take the funnel from which all your words are coming, the straw from which all your words are being sucked. And you take the straw out of the tightness or the, or the terror, the tension or the fear. You simply take it out of that, and as best you can, you place it in this pool of stillness. Now, at our stage of learning, this may require a second or two of, of being still yourself, of being quiet. This is not a, a long period of quietness that anyone's going to notice but just a, not a rushing into conversation. Because in the world at this time, there is a tremendous tendency for everyone to rush into conversation and to immediately have something to say and to endlessly talk about even spiritual subjects until people can't stand them anymore. So if you find this anxiety of, oh, I've got to talk, oh, I've got to say something on this subject, Oh, I've got to appear informed, intelligent, witty, uh, friendly, whatever it may be. Still your body. Just still your body for a second. Say to yourself, there is within me a pool of stillness that is pure peace. Take the straw out of the anxiety and put it in the stillness. So it's sort of like you've changed the source of your conversation. But you do not change the words. Continue talking about the same thing. But you're now, you see, words are, are little packages. They're empty packages. They have no content. They come with no content. This is why no one can decide what profanity is. And this is why profanity is actually changing. We've seen this in our lifetime. We've seen it change dramatically. Words that used not to be profane now are so that for example words that relate to to race are terribly profane now a few years back they weren't profane words that relate to sex are now almost commonplace and you can hear them even uh, in uh, nursery school you really can you can hear words that you would never hear before and the kids, obviously the kids, kids don't know what they're saying um, 
John had it all wrong. He thought it had to do with people's names. So he was saying, Oh, Janet. <laughs> he thought Janet had something to do with it. And the other one he came up with was Chuck Off. <laughs> so we just switched to the stillness, to, to the peace, to the gentleness, to the comfort. Stillness and peace are just another name for comfort. So you speak with comfort if you find you are not. Do not try to change the form of the conversation, but do make a gentle effort to change the content. If there is a question as to whether or not you should say these particular words, and you will know if there's a question if you are asking it. I mean, the ego gets so silly. Is this a question? Of course it's a question. If you're considering it, it's a question. But the ego actually gets all confused about whether or not this is a real question, whether or not I should bring up this particular subject. If you would like a rule to follow, the rule is, if you have a question as to whether or not you should say it, don't say it. Already there's anxiety about it. Isn't that obvious? We wouldn't be questioning it. So if you wonder if you should tell this particular thing and you want a rule, the very fact that you're worrying about it means don't say it. You'll be happier not saying it. Don't try to figure out whether it's right or wrong. Because your ego will find a way of telling you it's okay. It's even a good thing to do. And you'll end up saying it. And you won't be happy. And being happy is awakening. That's all there is to awakening. It's being happier and happier and happier and happier. It's, it's becoming more and more consistent with our happiness and our peace and our relaxation. It's valuing harmony in our family. Isn't it obvious that people don't value harmony? All you have to do is just go into a supermarket, see the average family shopping. <laughs> Or the average family trying to decide whether or not they should uh, leave the movie now? Or, or should they buy this or buy that? That's all it is. It's a valuing of harmony. I would like a harmonious family. I would like a harmonious friendship. We know how to do it. If we were communist agents... We were secret agents. We could do it. If it was an assignment for us to get along with this person, we would have no trouble at all doing it. But we don't believe that. We think there's a difference. And so we must begin. We cannot jump from a chaotic array of relationships to all peaceful relationships and do not try to do that. Just begin to bring a little comfort into your relationships as you think of it. Try to bring a little comfort into the relationship with you and the person that you live with. Or you and your child. Or you and your parents. Begin. That's all. Begin. Awakening is a beginning and another beginning and another beginning. And that's all it is. Now I'd like to make three suggestions. And this is what these are the kinds of things that are turned into rules. Three things that the ego almost always misuses, but does not always misuse. So it is possible to, to do these three things in a conversation with peace. But it's unlikely. And most people don't do these things with peace. So this doesn't mean that you should try to eliminate these things, but it does mean that you might want to watch them. Just look at them. And see if they make you happy. Because these are things that the ego think are very good tools to use in a conversation. And they are if you want to be unhappy. One is questions. Questions generally are not friendly. And notice that when you become anxious, you often will start asking questions. And it seems perfectly innocent. 
Of course there are certain questions that have to be asked. And so to try to eliminate every single question from your conversation would indeed throw you into terror. But just look at the questions. Just see when you find yourself pumping out questions and this person is asking one, asking one question after another after another and so forth. And you think you've got this great conversation going here. Just see if this is friendly. The next time that you're feeling a little irritated at someone, and instead of attacking them, you ask them a question. Notice it doesn't make you happy. So questions is the first one. The second one is kidding. This is, general, this is usually more acceptable. This is usually considered even more innocent than, than questions. Almost never is kidding friendly. It will de- indeed get laughs. I overheard uh, 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 some kidding recently. Uh, there was a woman whose relatives were trying to have her declared senile. And she, was, she, had, she had made a home movie. And there were some people watching it. And of course all the people loved this woman and thought that the, uh, that the, uh, in, the uh, senility trial was absolutely ridiculous. But this was her first time in narrating a home movie. And it was indeed, and she indeed was finding it very funny at her, her attempts, the way she had done this. And one person turned to the other and said, this for sure will be used in the, in the uh, senility trial. Now, it got a lot of laughs, but it brought a little tinge of pain to the person. Even though it was kidding, it was, and it was said without... Of course, it, no one meant it as true. Kidding is often based on the pointing out of a fault. And unless the fault is totally impossible, unless there, there couldn't be any way that the person could actually think that this was a fault, if it's so totally removed as that, unless it's that kind of kidding, there is a little pain, a little stab with it. And notice, you will feel a little anxious. So you might want to watch that. And the third thing I won't go into because we've talked about it so much here is honesty. I must be honest. Meaning I must point out your faults. (laughs) A second way that we make ourselves uncomfortable. as we try to be somehow different in a spiritual way. Now, the thing that Gail and I have noticed, (laughs) the thing that Gail and I have noticed is uh, that this is very common in people who are trying to form a permanent relationship. They begin reading a few books, and there are a number of books out now, spiritual books, that tell you how to form this spiritual or mystical kind of relationship. There's the term in A Course in Miracles, which if, if it isn't read carefully, can also be misused in the same way, the holy relationship. As a matter of fact, I talked one Sunday here about the great love relationship, and we've taken that term off the title of the talk, because immediately I saw that people formed an image of what a great love relationship looked like which certainly didn't apply to the person they were with now. That was, that's the first thing they could say. Well, I'm going to have to get someone new because I can never get... Don't try to be somehow different. There is no mystical relationship to form with someone. And if you attempt to do that, you're going to put yourself in hell. It's just awful. Don't try to be a healer. Now, if you heal, fine. Go ahead and quietly heal. You don't have to talk about it a great deal. You may not have to talk about it at all. That, that lovely film, Resurrection, uh, is such a good example of what she went through. In the beginning, she talked about this. It was very exciting. Suddenly, she could heal. And people knew about this. And crowds gathered and so forth. But do you see how unhappy that was for her? Became unhappy very quickly. Now the movie carried it to the extreme of her trying, of someone trying to kill her. But that is not necessary. It was not happy to do it in that way. 
I'm not saying that no one should do it in that way, and I'm not saying that there aren't people who can heal on a large-scale basis and do it in peace. But for most of us, talking about it, advertising it, and so forth, is not a peaceful thing to do. This does not mean that if you are a practitioner of some sort that you shouldn't advertise it. But I'm just saying that broadcasting it... So at the end of the movie... She was, uh, as you remember, she was just at a filling station, and uh, she was running this filling station, and this little boy came who was very, very sick, and without anybody noticing, not even the little boy, she put her hands on him, and you knew that he was healed. The little boy had cancer. It was lovely. It was perfect. That is it. That is peace. We do not have to receive recognition for anything that we think or do. No one has to see that there's anything different in our life. On some level, they'll notice it's a little easier to be around us. That's about it. And then the last way, general way, we've already talked about, there's a good phrase that once again can be carried to an extreme. It's called trying is lying. How many people have heard, it, heard that expression? Trying is lying. And there is a way, of course, that trying is lying. I haven't gotten there yet. I shouldn't even be attempting that. If it doesn't happen easily and naturally and peacefully, trying is lying. You're simply trying to appear to yourself, at least, more spiritual than you actually are. Complete misuse of the word spiritual, but maybe you'll forgive me for that. So don't try anything in your meditation. Don't try anything in your decision-making. Just see what your preference is in your decision-making. Just see what your pleasure is in your meditation. Follow your pleasure in your meditation. God is true pleasure. God is joy. And that word is meaningless now. We don't even know what the word joy means anymore. So I'd like to end with three suggestions of what to do. Our other name is comfort. And here are three things that we can do. And I would like to suggest this as an exercise. You don't have to do the exercise, but it's a really a good exercise. And it seems too simple to work. All I can do is urge you to try it. Watch two things this week. Watch what you do and watch what you think. And in order to give this a little form, you might do this. You will notice that there are times in which you are conscious of your thinking and there are times in which you are more conscious of what you are doing. Now often it's when you're by yourself or you're with someone else so that you... And, and the relationship is such so that there's a, there's a time period in there in which you're not asked to perform. You're with your child or you're with your spouse or you're something like that, and so you're just at home. Now, in that kind of situation or when you're by yourself, your thinking generally tends to become more noticeable and what you're doing generally becomes less noticeable, but of course there's many, many exceptions to that. And then when you're out with other people, what you're saying, how you're acting, often becomes more noticeable than your thinking. And so the exercise is that wherever your focus happens to be at the moment, if you're noticing your thinking or you're noticing what you're doing, you will notice it a little more closely than you ever have before. That's the exercise. You're going to become more conscious of what you're doing and what you're thinking. And as you become more conscious of it, notice how you feel as you do this particular thing. Now, we've talked many times in this church about how it is necessary that you build this nest in which the peace of God can grow. And probably most of you have not yet even begun to do that. Possibly most of you don't even know how to begin doing that. This is absolutely essential 
Otherwise, you're going to be jerked around by life until the day you die, and it's never going to quite happen. You're going to have good intentions, and there will be these spurts of a great deal of effort, but there will be no real progress. And as we've said before, this plateau of no real progress can continue for a very long time. And so here, indeed, is a way to begin. It's a way to continue. It does not require uh, more or less advancement to do this. When you notice your thoughts, simply say this to yourself. That's past or that's the future. Categorize every thought as either that's past or that's the future. Do not do anything about it. Don't try to change your line of thought. And this will be the challenge, if you wish a challenge, if you wish a difficulty, the difficulty will be that you will be very tempted to judge it and to try to do something about it and to get down on yourself and feel distressed about this. So this is not an exercise in being distressed. This is an exercise on how to begin to be comfortable all the time. When you notice something quietly and calmly, you have plugged God into the thing you are noticing. And God does the work, whatever your word for God is. Now, this is not obvious, but it's a fact. Calm noticing is the still, small voice. It is the presence of God. It is the light of God. It is the great ray shining on the problem. Calmness is the open door to the splendor in your heart and it releases a spotlight. This is not obvious. You will not know that this is happening, but it is happening and all it requires is calmness. So you simply say, anytime you notice your thinking, look at it close enough to see whether or not you're thinking about the past or you're thinking about the future. And you will, I promise you, you're going to laugh out loud a number of times because the ego doesn't even know what it's doing half the time. It doesn't know what it's thinking about the past, the future, the whole thing's so jumbled up and crazy. And you'll suddenly realize how silly it is that you've been preoccupied with this. But don't stop it. If you want to keep on thinking about that, keep on thinking about it. Remember, you're not going to change anything. You're just going to say, that's past or that's the future. The other part of the exercise is you watch what you're doing. And you say, now I'm standing in front of the refrigerator. Standing in front of, I'm trying to decide if I'm hungry. <laughs> this is, isn't it interesting? We actually do this. We stand in front of the refrigerator and ask ourselves if we're hungry. Can you imagine a child doing that? Asking itself if it was hungry? It knows if it's hungry. But this is, what you'll, this is why you'll laugh out loud. Just see the things you do. So you get up in the morning. Everything you do, I would suggest that you just tell yourself what you're doing. Now I'm using the bad shampoo. <laughs> I should have bought the good. I should have paid the extra money and bought the good shampoo with the yucca plant. But I'm using the bad... And I'm putting it on my hair. Now I am ruining my hair. <laughs> now here's what will happen if you do this. If you just do this for three days, I can tell you what will happen. There will be some things that you've done most of your life that will just drop away without your even noticing because you will see that you don't want to do them. And seeing that you don't want to do them, they won't be there. There will be no effort. So, for example, if you are actually ready to let go of watching long hours of TV, for example, if you will watch TV in peace, don't watch t as long as you watch TV anxiously and say, I shouldn't be watching TV, I shouldn't be watching TV. <laughs> You're going to keep on watching TV. I shouldn't be smoking a cigarette. I shouldn't be smoking a cigarette. As long as you're doing that, you're going to keep smoking a cigarette and keep watching TV and so forth. Because guilt is the glue that attaches us to the activity. Anxiety is the ego's adherent. 
So, say I'm watching TV. I will watch TV in peace. Let me watch TV in peace. Now, what you might discover and is that you don't like watching a particular kind of program. For example, you might discover that. But you don't like it. Suddenly you'll see, oh, I don't like this. So it's a very interesting thing. This is what happens to so many uh, alcoholics, for example. Suddenly they say, I don't like being drunk. <laughs> I mean, suddenly it's this big revelation. They don't like it. Once they see that, there's no giving it up. They just don't like it. So do it in peace. Say to yourself, this is what I'm doing. And then after a day or two, if you have begun to sense something about a particular activity that you engage in over and over again, if you would like to sit down and look at it now and ask yourself, is there something I would like to do about this? Would I like to start walking around this? Could I begin walking around this in peace? You will now have a firm foundation to begin doing that. Because you will have seen something. This is vision. Every religious and mystical and philosophical system that has come to this planet has talked about vision. And the beginning of vision is, in my heart I don't like it. In my heart I like it. So, in the very beginning of a spiritual path, it is as if certain events, certain activities, cause you to be peaceful. This isn't, of course, true, but it seems that way. And it seems as if there are other activities and other things that we do that literally cause us to be unpeaceful. That's where we must begin. And so you will automatically, automatically begin constructing this nest of peace. Each little twig and branch that goes into the nest will be very dear to you. This activity that you love so much. I have just done this. I have finally realized I do not like going out and speaking. I don't like doing that. I had to look at it before I could see that. And from this point on, I will probably doing, be doing much less speaking. I know a certain kind of speaking engagement that is peaceful for me to do. But the bulk of them, I see clearly, I don't like it. I don't think much is being accomplished. And so it just happened. It just started dropping. I didn't have to make any big decision. I just began seeing that. But that was taking up half of my life. And by seeing it, half of my life can now be happier. This is, of course, not speaking. This is... <laughs> <laughs> This is insanity, and I, and I, I really begin longing for the insanity of the dispensable church whenever I'm in another sanity. I've got to get back those crazy, crazy people in Saturday. Night. So that's all. Uh, your other name is Comfort. You become comfortable by simply, in the beginning, notice, noticing what makes you comfortable. But looking for simple ways that you can be comfortable. And by perhaps doing what we did at the beginning of this service, and that is using some word or some phrase that brings comfort to you. And let us end with one more of these. The cornier it is, the truer it is. <laughs> and so with your eyes closed, perhaps you would like to say these words. I love you, Father. And then answer for God. I love you, my child. I love you, Father. I love you, my child. Very slowly and very quietly, 
Let those words calm your heart and make you glad. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you.